This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast on this Monday morning, July the 11th, 2022. We got a beautiful day today, blue skies, gorgeous sunrise this morning. In the greatest land in the entire world, we affirm our freedoms, our country, our faith. Thanks for joining us on the Affirm America podcast this morning. You can subscribe to our podcast. Go over to AffirmAmerica.com. You can also see the 2000 Mules movie still playing over there, free of charge. Check it out. Today is our top five headlines for this Monday morning Headline number five, Biden slammed for tweet blaming Republicans for economic problems. I thought it was Russia's fault. CNN's Fareed Zakaria criticized the Biden administration for discouraging investments in oil and natural gas amid rising prices and the Russia-Ukraine war. President Joe Biden is facing backlash for a tweet posted on his Twitter account that blamed Republicans for the country's economic problems. Republicans are doing nothing but obstructing our efforts to crack down on gas price gouging, lower food prices, lower health care costs, and hopefully soon lower your prescription drug costs. This is not right, and that's why this election is going to be so darn important, Biden tweeted Sunday. Biden was met with criticism online for his comments. Scott Jennings, a CNN contributor for Bush White House alumnus, tweeted, 88% wrong track plus 38% job approval equals good effing luck with this BS. Americans know the truth, big guy. No one is buying your blame game. You and Democrats own inflation. Your policies are making it far worse, tweeted conservative political writer Kimberly Morin. Others, such as author Matthew Bentley, attacked the tweet while acknowledging it probably was not sent directly by the president himself. Quote, You are corrupt and intentionally sabotaging America, in turn, he wrote, end quote. Huh? I thought it was Russia's fault, joked Mark Zeno, a talk radio host. DeSantis spokeswoman Christina Pushow similarly said, I thought it was the Putin price hike. Senator Tom Tuberville, Republican from Atlanta. Senator Tom Tuberville, Republican from Alabama, tweeted, Joe believes that the American people are fools. When running for president, Biden struck a very different tone. It's hard to believe this has to be said, but unlike this president, I'll do my job and take responsibility. And I'll never forget that the job isn't about me, it's about you, he tweeted on June 4th, 2020. Scott Pressler, a conservative activist, slammed Biden for his policies. Joe Biden, on day one, you canceled our pipeline. You fired workers with your illegal, unconstitutional vaccine mandate. We have fewer health care workers because you forced them to choose between their jobs and a mandated medical procedure. You gave $54 billion to Ukraine but forgot the U.S., he wrote. Inflation is at a 40-year high. Gas prices are soaring. And Biden's poll numbers are declining ahead of the 2022 midterm elections. Despite these economic troubles, some political elites 
such as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, are enjoying lavish vacations in Italy. Boy, just when you thought Biden couldn't mess it up any worse, he went out and made a tweet like that that just infuriated everybody across both lines. When you have CNN blasting you for your tweets and for your comments, then you know you've got a big problem because usually CNN and the mainstream media is covering your back. And when they're blasting you, you're in big trouble. So again, Biden's always blaming others. He never takes responsibility himself. This is typical Joe Biden. That's his uh, operatus MO. He is a blamer, a politician that just uses the blame game to have power and to make decisions and to push his political agendas. This is what the Democrats are all about, just maintaining power, not fixing things, but always blaming someone else and always using the leverage of problems to advance their power base. That's what it's all about. All right, headline number four, Holland grocery store shelves are empty due to farmers' protest. From ABC News, bales of hay lie burning along Dutch highways. Supermarket shelves stand empty because distribution centers are blocked by farmers. Then at dusk, a police officer pulled his pistol and shoots at a tractor. Dutch farmers are embroiled in a summer of discontent that shows no sign of abating. Their target? Government plans to rein in emissions of nitrogen oxide and ammonia that they say threatens to wreck their agricultural way of life and put them out of business. The reduction targets could radically alter the Netherlands' lucrative agricultural sector, which is known for its intensive farming and may also foreshadow similar reforms and protests in other European nations whose farmers also pump out pollutants. From ABC, Eva Vladinger Brock. They're still out protesting, and for your listeners, they're protesting because our government is trying to take their land away. They're actually now enforcing new regulations that are not even based in an actual law that will appropriate our farmers of their property, their land, by 2030 for about 30%, meaning that most of them will go completely out of business. And the Dutch farming industry is a very lucrative industry. We're the second largest exporter in the world after America, and we're only a very tiny country. So imagine this is their livelihood. These farmers have family businesses that have existed for centuries, and they're now being robbed of it by our government, and they have nothing to say against it. So this uh, climate agenda is uh, its a global agenda. We're, <clears throat> we're not only seeing it here in the U.S., but we're seeing it in, in other countries around the world, in Europe and the Netherlands. It's something that is like a virus. It's an insidious idea that really hasn't been proven, yet everybody takes it for fact. And they're pushing this agenda on many different nations in a way that creates uh, unjust political instability, such as in the Netherlands, as we can see. The farmers are protesting in the streets because the government wants to actually take their farms and their lands because of some idea that the nitrogen and the ammonia are creating some kind of pollutant that's going to destroy the planet. And here in the U.S., we have the same thing with the Biden administration cutting all of our oil production. And now we're suffering at the pump and we're having inflation. These ideas are absurd. They come from this far left idea, this climate, this green deal. I mean, this came right out of the AOC far left 
progressive side of the Democratic Party, and now it's being touted as as uh, doctrine, as absolute. And it's going to be a bloodbath in the midterms, I hope. I hope the American people can see it, they can wake up, and they can go to the polls and they can vote these rascals out because they're destroying our economy. And we need to send a message to the Davos crowd and the World Economic Forum and let them know that we're not going to stand around and take it from them. It's a very small elite group of people that think they know how the world should run, and we're not taking it. All right, headline number three. Shinzo Abe's assassination leads to landslide victory for his party in parliament. From CNN, police in Japan have launched a murder investigation into the assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister Abe. But little is known about the suspect who was arrested at the scene of the fatal shooting on Friday. Abe, 67, was pronounced dead by doctors at the Nara Medical University Hospital at 5.03 p.m. local time on Friday, just over five hours after being shot while delivering a campaign speech in front of a small crowd on a street. Tetsuya Yamagami, 41, has admitted to shooting Abe. Nara Nishi police said during a news conference on Friday. From Axios, Japan's ruling coalition won a sweeping supermajority in the country's parliamentary elections on Sunday, which would enable it to fulfill former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe's enduring ambition to reform the country's pacifist constitution. Why it matters. The elections were held two days after Abe's shocking assassination at a campaign stop gearing toward winning the parliamentary's upper house. Abe resigned from his post as prime minister in 2020 to be succeeded by current prime minister Fumio Kishiada, but remained an influential figure in the two leaders' shared Liberal Democratic Party. The big picture, the Liberal Democratic Party and its coalition partners won 87 seats in Sunday's election, surpassing the 70 needed to form a supermajority. So out of the ashes of a terrible, terrible assassination of Shinzo Abe's life, we see some very good news that the election went very favorable into a supermajority for the Japanese parliamentary system, which is very, very good news. Very conservative prime minister, worked together with Donald Trump very closely. They were very good friends, talked all the time actually golf together, and uh, the results of the election became a landslide. And that is a harbinger for the future for the, for the midterms here in the U.S. too as well. We can see that this is a movement that's happening worldwide. We're pushing back on these progressive, radical, leftist, communist, socialist, whatever you want to call it, postmodern theory. It's being pushed back. These conservative movements, these patriotic movements that cherish their freedoms and their liberties, and they don't want to have anything to do with these far-left radical ideas that have been a global narrative for some time now. So unfortunately, Prime Minister Abe's death was very, very tragic. We pray for his family and his wife, but there's good news for him. He can rest easily knowing that the election was a major success in Japan. All right, headline number two. Teen Vogue publishes abortion guide for young, impressionable girls. Town Hall. Teen Vogue is glamorizing abortions for young girls, giving them 
insight on how to get the procedure done following the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Titled, How to Get an Abortion if You're a Teen After Roe v. Wade Was Overturned. Contributor Lauren Rankin provided a detailed guide for how minors can navigate abortion restrictions as a teenager and mostly without their parents ever knowing. If you aren't comfortable telling a parent about your decision to have an abortion, you can seek what's called a judicial bypass in one of the many states that has this system. Judicial bypass allows you to go directly before a judge and get approval from that judge to have an abortion rather than having consent from your parents. Yes, it's a paternalistic and unfair that you literally have to get permission from someone else to choose what to do with your body but it is an option for legal abortion. Contact a clinic in that state, tell them that you're a minor and need help with the judicial bypass, and they can help connect you to an organization like Jane's Due Process that represents young people pro bono in judicial bypass hearings to access abortion care. If you are traveling to the state where you will get your abortion for the judicial bypass, this can add extra time and money to the process. Abortion funds may be able to help you. Okay, so you can see by this article here about Teen Vogue just how, how important it was for us to overturn Roe versus Wade because uh, the culture of abortion has become so common and so far out of the realm of normalcy that we're all used to. The fact that teenagers can now get abortions without even notifying their parents is just ludicrous. It's, it's, uh, it's insanity to have uh, your children, think about it as a parent, if one of your children that was in their teenage years got pregnant and did not tell you about it and went and got an abortion, how that might affect you as, an, as a parent. So these, uh, this Teen Vogue group, you can see these, uh, these things are very evil, evil ideas and concepts. And the fact that they're targeting these young, impressionable girls to get their abortions just tells us that we've got a lot of work to do. The cultural revolution is on. We have to change the culture. We have to stop this secularization, this godless culture that has permeated from Hollywood, from our government on down. And it's time that the Christians wake up, that the religious, spiritual communities around the world take a stand and push back on this because these things are not right. They're not correct. It's time that we all awaken ourselves and we get to work and push back on these guys because it's just going to get worse and we're going to lose our families, our culture, and our nation. All right. Headline number one, AOC mocked for supporting Supreme Court justice intimidation via Twitter. From the Washington Examiner, Representative AOC received major pushback on social media for a post she made mocking Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh was dining at Morton's, the steakhouse in downtown Washington on Wednesday night when a group of abortion rights protesters was tipped off on his location, forcing him to exit the restaurant through a back door. Joe Concha. A sitting lawmaker advocates harassment of a sitting Supreme Court justice just weeks after a man was charged with attempted murder of said justice. Tom Fitton. 
AOC, a Marxist politician, supports illegal intimidation of Supreme Court justices because she is angry that states are once again able to protect the right to life of unborn human beings. The White House remains unwilling to denounce the acts of intimidation. Okay, so where is uh, Merrick Garland on this, the DOJ? I think we all need to take some time out and make a quick phone call to your local representatives, your senators, your congressmen, and demand that the DOJ start prosecuting these individuals that are intimidating our Supreme Court justices. It's illegal. They should not be doing that. And there should be some consequences for these actions. It's completely out of line. And it's a two-tiered justice system. And we have to speak our voices. We can't just be sitting around. If we lose our Supreme Court, we have no checks and balances. We have complete loss and control of our nation when it comes to the rule of law. And uh, these politicians like AOC should be slammed. They should be voted out of office. They are absolute progressive, socialist, communist ideas. AOC has been very clear on her, on her stance. She is very much wants to destroy America. She is not interested at all in, in American way and system of government and our lifestyle. She wants to completely change it and radicalize it to her ideas being brought up under our school systems, our college systems. And uh, as patriots, as Americans, as conservatives, it's time that we take our country back. And I want everybody to give the White House a call Speak to your senators, speak to your congressmen, and demand that Merrick Garland does something about this intimidation. All right, those are your top five headlines for this Monday, July the 11th, 2022. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Affirm America podcast. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great and we affirm it.